Welcome back to Encouraging Words to Give You Hope. I'm your host, Hope, the author and founder of Meditate Hope, with a mission of encouraging people to meditate on the hope of Jesus because when you do, it changes everything. Happy first Sunday of December, everyone. The last month of 2021 is among us, and wow, how this year has flown by. Not only does entering December mean wrapping up 2021, but it also means that we are officially entering the Christmas season. The weather is getting cold out if you're like me and you live in the Midwest slash northern parts of the U.S. People are putting out their Christmas lights, going gift shopping, and making plans to gather with family. But in the midst of all our world does today to celebrate what they call the happiest season of all, for the Christian, Christmas has a much deeper meaning than that. And knowing and believing that meaning can be life-changing. So on today's special edition of our To The Christian series, this week's devotional and podcast episode is To The One Trying To Understand The True Meaning Of Christmas. This week, we will discuss what truly is the big deal about Christmas, three prophecies tied into the story of Christmas, what the focal point of all history is, and the greatest gift anyone could ever receive. And even if you heard the story of Christmas dozens of times in your lifetime, I pray that you would still choose to have an open heart to what God has to say this Christmas season. God can reveal new things to us if we just have an open and available heart to what he has to say. So first of all, we have to come back to the true meaning of Christmas and what Christmas is all about. We wouldn't celebrate Christmas if we didn't have a need for a savior. Our need for a savior is the whole reason behind Jesus' coming, which we remember every year as Christmas Day. So why do we need a savior in the first place? Well, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It says in Genesis 2 verse 16 through 17, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. But later we see in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve broke the one command God had given them, and as the serpent tempted them, they fell into sin and ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From that point on, sin entered the world and all people were born with a sin nature. And because of that sinful nature, sacrifices needed to be made and all of us are sinful people worthy of the punishment of death. As it says in Romans 3 verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Old Testament times, the people would have to sacrifice an animal for the sin they had committed. The Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron as they celebrated the first Passover in Exodus 12, verse 3 through 5, which says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat the whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. So we see here that the animal was to be a lamb or young goat and should be with no defects or blemishes. It had to be spotless. 
This paints the picture for us as Jesus would be and is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. We are all sinful people and we are all in need of a Savior to save us from our sins. Because of this, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. As it is promised in Isaiah 9 verse 6 through 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So now that we have dived into our need for a savior, we are going to take a closer look at the story of the birth of Jesus and the events and prophecies leading up to it. Leading up to Jesus' birth, every book in the Bible points to the coming of the Messiah. Prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of Christ, also known as Messianic prophecies, are all fulfilled in the New Testament. Today, as we look back at the story of the coming of Christ, we will be looking at three key prophecies and how they tie into the birth of Jesus, the focal point of all history because Jesus coming to earth changed everything. The first prophecy fulfilled we'll be taking a look at is Jesus' forerunner, John the Baptist. It is prophesied in Isaiah 40 verse 3 that there would be someone who would prepare the way for the Lord. And that verse says the following, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And that person that would be the forerunner for Jesus would be John the Baptist. Now, the story of John the Baptist's coming is one worth reading about, all recorded for us in Luke 1, verse 5 through 25. So a couple of months before Jesus was born, there was a woman named Elizabeth who was married to the priest Zechariah. They were already both old in age and did not have any children. One day, while on duty in the temple as a priest burning incense, God spoke to Zechariah. An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, and the Bible says that he was startled and was gripped with fear. The angel of the Lord said to him in Luke 1 verse 13 through 17, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord." He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But in disbelief, Zechariah started to doubt what the angel said. He replies to the angel of the Lord in verse 18 saying, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well long in years. 
The angel of the Lord replies to him in verses 19 through 20, saying, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. But now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zechariah went out of the temple in disbelief, and the people outside were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Verse 22 tells us, When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Then it came time for John to be born, and all of Elizabeth and Zechariah's friends asked them what they were going to name their son, wondering if they would name him after his father, Zechariah. It says in Luke 1, verse 60 through 63, but his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately after that, Zachariah's mouth was open as he began to speak and praise God for his faithfulness and son, John, who would be known as John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ. The second key prophecy fulfilled in the birth of Jesus is his virgin birth. It is prophesied in Isaiah 7 verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. This prophecy was later fulfilled through a woman named Mary, who the Bible says was in Nazareth, a town in Galilee, was a virgin, and was pledged to marry Joseph, a descendant of David. In Luke 1, verse 28 through 38, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. These verses say the following. The angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The fact that Jesus was born of a virgin, born of a woman, and conceived of the Holy Spirit testifies of God's supernatural power. In just the natural, it would not be possible for Jesus to be born of just a woman, but through God's power and strength, nothing is impossible, and God made a way, and the prophecy was fulfilled. Before the angel Gabriel left, he also told Mary that her close relative, Elizabeth, yes, the same Elizabeth we talked about earlier, who would be the mother of John, was also pregnant even in her old age. Here we see all the pieces of God's preparation for Jesus' coming all fit together. God chose Mary and Elizabeth, who were close relatives, to play essential roles in the coming of the one they had been waiting for all their lives, the promised Messiah. 
Jesus and John the Baptist would be cousins and John would prepare the way for Jesus, pointing people to the Savior, knowing that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. Luke 1 verse 37 gives us an amazing promise and it says the following, For no word from God will ever fail. This verse reminds us that no matter what the promise God has made, he is faithful to fulfill it. His words will never fail us and we can trust that what he says will come to fruition. Whether that promise is very significant or even in the little things, he is faithful. Even though Mary was troubled at first by what the angel said, in the end she kept her faith in God, trusting that God would be with her the whole way through, even if she didn't quite fully grasp that she would be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. She replies to the angel Gabriel in verse 38 saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. But when Joseph, the man Mary was engaged to, who was faithful to the law, found out about this, he wanted to divorce her quietly instead of exposing her to public disgrace. But then, in a dream, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the story goes on. It says in Matthew 1, verse 20 through 25, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now that John the Baptist is set to prepare the way for Jesus, and Mary and Joseph have said yes and are obedient to God's call to be the earthly parents of Jesus, now came the journey to Jesus' birthplace. And that brings us to the third key prophecy fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, which is his birthplace in Bethlehem. It is prophesied in Micah 5 verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. The fulfillment of this prophecy is found in Luke 2 verse 1 through 7. In the days leading up to Jesus' birth, Caesar Augustus decreed an issue that a census, taxes, would be taken and all people needed to go to their homeland. At the time, Israel was under Roman rule. Because Joseph belonged to the house and line of David, they made their journey to Bethlehem. The journey there was not easy at all. It took a few days to get there and Mary, who was pregnant, rode on a donkey. Finally, after a few days and many miles, they arrived in Bethlehem, but they needed a place to stay. They knocked on every inn and every innkeeper said they were out of room, but then there was hope. One innkeeper said that the one place he had available was a stable, and so, with that being their only option, they stayed there. And then, the promised one was born. Jesus came down from heaven as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the form of a baby and would grow up as any other man would. 
He was born in a stable with a bunch of animals surrounding him, and Mary laid him in a manger, literally where horses or cattle would eat from, and she wrapped him in strips of cloth. Jesus humbled himself and was not exactly born like how we would imagine a king would be born. We might imagine a king, not to mention Jesus, the king of kings and the creator of the world, be born possibly in a palace surrounded by royal, fine clothing and an abundance of fancy gifts. But the Son of God humbled himself and came down all to fulfill God's promise of sending his Son to save his people from their sins. Even in the midst of the obstacles Mary and Joseph had to face in the birth of Jesus, from the miles upon miles they had to travel to Bethlehem for the census, to people around them possibly in disbelief and looking down on them because Mary became pregnant when they weren't married, to no room at any of the inns, God still made a way where there seemed to be no way. Though Jesus was born in a stable, surrounded by animals, God still provided them a place to stay and fulfill the promise that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Though there may seem like many obstacles God has to overcome to fulfill his promises to us, he will always make a way where there seems to be no way. Just like he did in Elizabeth giving birth to John even in her old age, and Mary giving birth to Jesus as a virgin, and Jesus being born in Bethlehem even if he wasn't born in the most appealing place. If it's God's will, he will always make a way and will do whatever it takes to fulfill his promises to us. And even in our disbelief, God has the power to do the impossible and he is faithful to fulfill every prophecy and every promise he has made. So we have discussed our need for a savior, three prophecies that tie into the Christmas story, and now it's time to get into the weight of meaning Jesus' coming holds for you and me today. Here are three main weights of meaning Christmas holds for us today. Number one, Jesus came to empathize with us. When Jesus came to earth, he knew all he was about to walk through in his 33 years on this earth. He was perfectly human. He was 100% man, but at the same time, he was 100% God, which was needed for him to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. It says in 1 Peter 1 verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus would face physical pain, be physically tired and weak at times, and face some of the same emotions we face, such as grief, joy, and sorrow. It says in Hebrews 4 verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just like we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus, in humility, brought himself down to our level in the form of a man. Just imagine that, going from the Son of God in heaven to being in the form of a man, still the Son of God, but facing what we as humans face. Name another God that would do that for his people. Number two, Jesus set up the perfect example for us as his disciples. Jesus set up the perfect example of love and soul winning for us. He loved those who are hard to love. For more on this topic, you can check out the blog post linked in today's show notes. 
Whether it was the Samaritan woman at the well, or Levi the tax collector, whose name would later be changed to Matthew, or the criminal crucified next to him, or sinners like us who are hard to love, Jesus loved on them and shared the good news with them no matter who they were, what they looked like, or what their past looked like. He was 1 Corinthians 13, which is known to many of us as the love chapter, in action. He was patient with those around him, showed his loving kindness in every move he made, and he did not take advantage of the power of God he had since he was also 100% God. Jesus commands us in John 15 verse 12 through 13, My command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus also set up the perfect example of patience as it says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And as we have talked about already, Jesus set up the perfect example of humility. It says in Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And finally, we come to the third weight of meaning Christmas holds for you and me today, which is... The birth of Jesus and believing in his resurrection gives us purpose. If we do not believe in the birth of our Savior and him coming down to die on the cross to pay the punishment for all the sins of humankind, we would have no purpose to live. We would all have nothing to live for because living this life for ourselves will leave us with nothing. Jesus gave us a purpose to serve his kingdom and to tell those around us the good news and we are working for his kingdom in heaven made for something beyond ourselves reaching for what's unseen and our focus on the things eternal. As Jesus commanded his disciples in Mark 16 verse 15 in what is known as the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Many people don't see tomorrow as worth living, but when we put our faith in Jesus, we now walk in the light and we have all been given the calling from God as believers to spread his light. As it says in John 3 verse 16 through 18 and verse 21, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. But whosoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And that passage perfectly transitions us into the last part of this week's podcast episode that we will discuss, the greatest gift anyone could ever receive. Jesus' coming and resurrection gave us the opportunity to receive the greatest gift 
anyone could ever receive, the gift of salvation and God's saving grace. As we talked about earlier, we have all been born with a sinful nature and the punishment for our sin is death. But because God loved us so much, as we just read, he sent his one and only son to come down into this earth, live life as a human being, and die on the cross to pay the punishment for the sins of all people. You don't have to go through this life on your own. You can go through this life living it with Jesus on your side, living for him, and have an abundant life through him. All you have to do on your part is accept the free gift of salvation he has given you. The gift of salvation Christ offers compares to no other gift we could ever receive. The gift of money or a material thing on our wish list will never fulfill. The gift of salvation is so much more than that. Jesus is the only way to eternal life and life abundantly. As Jesus says in John 14 verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God promises all those who confess their sins and accept him as their personal Lord and Savior, the gift of eternal life with him in heaven. It says in 1 John 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The whole story of the gospel from the New Testament to Jesus' life on earth is based on giving. God gave his one and only son, Jesus, for us and sent him into the world, not to condemn us, but to save us. Will you accept the greatest gift you could ever receive, God's free gift of salvation and eternal life? If you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior of your life, the greatest gift you could ever receive, see the blog post attached in today's show notes, which has the salvation prayer in it. You can pray that prayer and accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior of your life. Christmas is so much more than the gift giving and the holiday lights and the people full of happiness and cheer during this season. It's about the creator of the world sending his one and only son who would pay the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, which is death, so that we didn't have to. The story of Christmas shows God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promises no matter what the circumstances may be, knowing that if it is God's will, he will make a way, even in the midst of the impossible when we are in disbelief. Through Jesus' coming, he gave us the perfect example to follow as his disciples and gave us purpose, knowing that God has created us for something beyond ourselves, which is to serve his kingdom for the things eternal. And most of all, the birth of Jesus gave us the opportunity to receive the greatest gift anyone could ever receive, the gift of salvation and eternal life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast episode. I pray that it encouraged you and brought you closer to God. Please send this podcast episode or the blog post version of this podcast episode that is linked in today's show notes to someone you know that needs to hear the true meaning of Christmas and be a light to them this Christmas season. Here are a couple of announcements for you since you stuck till the end of this week's podcast episode. First up, don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. 
make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast to help reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you are listening on a different platform other than Apple Podcasts, there is a link in today's show notes that will take you directly there. I would love to hear in a rating and review how God has touched you through this podcast. And the story of Christmas does not stop here. This December, we are going through a two-part kind of mini-series within our To the Christian series, the first part being this podcast episode. And the next one will be coming out, God willing, on December 19th for To the Christian Trying to Be a Light this Christmas season with a special freebie included in that podcast episode and blog post. And finally, if you are looking for some Christmas music to listen to, check out my Christmas is Here playlist on Spotify linked in today's show notes. There are many links and resources in today's show notes, so don't forget to check all of them out. Well, that's the end of this week's podcast episode. Have a blessed week and thanks so much for listening.